So what caused Adam Lanza to go on a killing spree at Sandy Hook Elementary School in Connecticut last week? Well, the wheel of blame is spinning around and around, and today it lands on violent video games. What will it be tomorrow? Who knows? It's December 19th, 2012. He's been shunned by commercial radio. Unable to be bought and paid for by corporate America. And running on the fossil fuel of common sense. For those of us that choose to live dangerously in the radical middle, welcome to the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. Now the world is getting older. There's a few things to be said. Efforts to point the finger at something and try and find some cause, some purpose for why someone would do such a heinous act. Oftentimes we point the finger at things that are only a peripheral problem or not even a problem at all. And today, the blame goes to violent video games. And we're going to certainly get into that on the program. Welcome in the zip code famous Michael Graf Show on a Wednesday. Thanks so much for checking us out. Mike at KMGX.com, our email address. It is Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. Groff Show on Google Talk. Michael Groff on Twitter. And for everything else Michael Groff related, you can always join us at the one and only MichaelGroff.com. While you're there, you can check out this and all of our other podcasts. You can post your feedback, comments, questions, suggestions. We uh, take, listen to, respond to each and every one of them at some point, sooner or later. Also, you can donate to this program. All of that can be done. You know, it is the holiday season, and it is uh, the, the time of year for, for giving. So why not donate? <laughs> why not? At the one and only michaelgroff.com. Okay. I've uh, put in the, the shameless self-promotion, the, the plug. I guess I can get on with it now. Now, there are so many various aspects to this story surrounding Newtown, Connecticut. Anything from the people being upset that all the media has descended upon them. They, the people of Newtown feel that the media is almost capitalizing on their pain. They feel that their grief is almost being exploited for the purpose of entertainment uh, by the various media outlets. And I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but I could certainly understand how they'd be very uncomfortable with cameras being pointed everywhere and constantly being interviewed and feeling like their pain is now on display for everybody. But I think it's more about education and information than anything else. And I understand, though, when you're a community in grief, it's very hard to see that and to realize that. Uh, fortunately, I haven't seen any of these news banners with the special music. 
the tragedy in Newtown. I haven't seen anything where they've um, had like a sponsorship of it yet. The tragedy in Newtown brought to you by Ford. You know, I don't know. We haven't seen that yet. Although I remember a few years ago, one of those hurricanes that happened, maybe it was Hurricane Wilma or one of those. Um, and I can't remember if it was on the Weather Channel. We talked about it on the show. One of these places did a, um, they had like their, the tropical update is brought to you by Florida orange juice. When Florida is completely devastated, you won't get to have any more. So you might want to get out and grab it while you can. Florida orange juice. It was something like that. You know how we tend to capitalize on tragedy in this country. It's kind of sick. Actually, I have a story. We'll talk about the violent video games and all that other stuff in a minute. But I have a story here. You talk about sick and depraved people. This happens after every single tragedy. Somebody tries to start pulling a scam to get money out of the situation. It is really bizarre how humanity works. And every once in a while, I start to get a renewed faith in humanity. And then it is immediately set ablaze by people like this. All right. So the family of Noah Posner, they're one of the families that are grieving the loss of their six-year-old son. Apparently, someone they didn't know was soliciting donations in Noah's memory, claiming that they'd send any cards, packages, and money collected to his parents and siblings. An official-looking website had been set up with Noah's name as the address, even including petitions on gun control. Noah's uncle, uh, Alexis Holler, called on law enforcement to seek out those despicable people. Uh, quote, these scammers are stealing from the families of victims of the horrible tragedy. It's a problem as familiar as it is disturbing. Tragic strikes uh, that led to uh, disasters such as the, um, um, color, the uh, such as Columbine, 9-11, Hurricane Katrina, even the movie theater shooting in Aurora, Colorado, all of which have spawned people that have decided to capitalize on these types of tragedies. This happens after every single one. Every time I am equally surprised and disturbed by it. And again, at the risk of sounding completely cynical, it just makes you go, what the, what the hell kind of people do we have on planet Earth? It's abominable, said Ken Berger, president and CEO of Charity Navigator which evaluates the performance of charities. Quote, it's just the lowest kind of thievery. Noah Posner's relatives found, uh, found out about one bogus solicitation when a friend received an email asking for money for the family. Poorly punctuated, it gave details about Noah, his funeral, and his family. That is so creepy, incidentally. It directed people to send donations to an email or to, a, uh, to an address in the Bronx one that uh, Posner's uh, family had never heard of. It listed a New York City phone number to text with questions about how to donate. When a reporter texted that number on Wednesday, a reply came advising the donation would go to United Way. The Posner family had uh, the Noah Posner website transferred to its, uh, the ownership to uh, Victoria Holler who is Noah's aunt, emailed the person who had originally registered the name. That person who went by the name of Jason Martin 
wrote back saying, uh, quote, to somehow honor Noah and help promote a safer gun culture. I had no ill intentions. I assure you. Yeah, sure. You didn't. You know, whenever somebody takes somebody's name and uses it as a web address, it's either going to be for the purpose of cyber squatting uh, to run a some type of fraud or scam. That's 99.9% of the time. That's why you take someone's name. Like if I took the name of one of these victims right now, all right, if it was just me, which I would never do, but if I was to do that, it would probably be for the purpose of cyber squatting. Or if I was one of these really wacky political uh, type people, some people would argue that I am. If I was one of these really wacky people with a really crazy agenda, I might do that to push either gun control or to promote uh, guns for teachers or, or something. You know, I would do it for some type of crazy purpose. It just demonstrates the sick nature of humanity when you see that kind of thing. Ugh. All right. Now, a lot of questions, a lot of uh, things to talk about. And of course, as I mentioned off the top of the show, the wheel of blame spins every day as to what caused Adam Lanza to go on a killing spree last Friday. And of course, very rarely do we ever just get the he's mentally ill he was deranged. I mean, those reports are indeed out there, but they are so underreported. Like we had a report that his mother was planning to lock him up in a mental institution. She was planning to have him committed and he found out about it somehow. And then he decided, oh yeah, well, I'll show you. And he was one of these people that thought that his mom loved the school more than him. So he went on a killing spree as a result. That's how that went down. He found out about it and it just set him off, I guess. That is the real reason. That's what happened. He was crazy. His mom was going to have him committed. Now, why was he crazy? Okay, I mean, we should look into that. I did a whole podcast about it. What happened and why? Why did he go nuts? What caused him? What was it? How did society fail this guy as a kid growing up so that he became this reckless killer. And we talked about all the various influences. It wasn't just about guns in America. It was about all of the various influences, all of the things that can cause people to be this way, whether or not you're, you know, good parents, not good parents, all of the influences you have growing up. And frankly, if you have a genetic predisposition to have mental illness, if you have a brain defect, we talked about all of these various factors and those are so underreported. Instead, it's it's we blame the gun and then after that we we point the finger at the entertainment industry and specifically violent video games. Yes, the multi-billion dollar video game industry has come under scrutiny. That's the latest. Of course, Hollywood also is getting some of the blame and they they responded by postponing, canceling or playing down all sorts of promos for new TV shows or even some stations, some networks decided to not air certain episodes of their uh, shows that they had lined up for this week in uh, as out of respect to the victims. I really hate it when networks do that sort of thing. And I know this is going to sound insensitive. First of all, it almost reeks of phoniness now because it used to be that networks never did that kind of thing. And then a few people get outraged and it really is a few people. It's the it's the usuals. It's the parents television council. 
It's the focus on the family types. It's these religious organizations that are always going after various TV shows. And now they have a means to do so because they use a tragedy to further their agenda. And they say, well, all right, now the networks obviously capitulate. The networks say, okay, we'll give in. We'll take off shows. And even shows that don't have a particularly violent theme, they may portray guns. They may portray some actions, uh, some, they, they don't necessarily have anything to do with school shootings, but they'll say, all right, all right, we'll listen to you for now. Okay. Even violent shows like Sons of Anarchy, you know, some of these networks, you know that they're going to probably capitulate. Now, I think Sons of Anarchy had their season finale, so I think that's out the window. So I don't think they have to worry about that. But other shows that have nothing to do with school shooting themes, but they may be violent shows. They may be aggressive shows. They may portray somebody that has rage issues or whatever. These are shows that are likely to be taken off the air. And already Hollywood has agreed to do so. And other networks have agreed to do so. They've agreed to suspend some of this for the moment. It does reek a little bit of phoniness because they never listen to the Parents Television Council of Focus on the Family or any of these other activist groups until something like this happens. And then I guess they just do it to look good. I don't know what the reason is. We've gotten to a point in this country. Remember about a year ago, Fox had their animated Sunday night shows, The Simpsons, Family Guy, and The Cleveland Show. They were all centered around hurricanes. All right. It was called Hurricane Sunday. And they had all of their, I think their season finales were all centered around, the, the themes of their shows were centered around um, hurricanes hitting the various cities that the shows take place in, all right? And uh, at the same time, or about uh, two or three days earlier, a massive tornado outbreak hit the central and southern part of the United States, uh, anywhere from Texas to Missouri to Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, all those places got hit very hard by devastating tornadoes. So Fox said, all right, even though this has it's it's animation, it's fiction and it's not portraying tornadoes, it's hurricanes. We're going to pull those off the air anyway, and we won't re-air them until a later time. I mean, that was by far one of the weirdest things I had seen done on TV. Fox, the same network that showed shows like Who Wants to Marry a Millionaire? And they were in talks with OJ about a show called If I Did It, This Is How I Would Have Done It. These same networks are going to turn around and suddenly show a, a little bit of morality for some reason. Tornadoes happen all the time. So what, had the tornadoes only killed a couple of people, would they have taken the shows off the air? Probably not. Is there like a threshold, a magic number? Is there a, I, and I'm, listen, I'm not being, I'm not trying to be insensitive here and I'm not trying, but I'm just trying to lay it out for you. Um, what is it? There has to be some kind of threshold, you know, um, because tornadoes uh, happen, especially in the springtime. Throughout uh, the United States, it is the most common time of year uh, from about late March through late May. Tornado outbreaks happen all the time. So now any kind of show uh, that has anything to do with violent storms, we're going to take off the air if, if a tornado breaks out someplace. 
Would we have stopped the airing of uh, or the showing in movies of the day after tomorrow if a really significant storm had hit somewhere in the U.S.? And really, that's all we care about, too, is if the U.S. Because if a if a really bad storm hit like Russia or South America or Australia, we'd probably still be sitting here running all those. Shows. We'd be like, oh, whatever. We don't even, we don't even care about that. But if it happens here, oh, well, then we have to, uh, out of respect to the victims, we, uh, we have to stop that. So the same thing happens here. Um, we have a school shooting, and I realize it's a little bit different. We're talking about a man-caused psychopath that kills a bunch of children versus a natural disaster. But the end result is people are still dead. And so what? We're supposed to stop airing all shows and we're not going to even stop airing all shows. It's just a, a few shows. There's still going to be violent shows that are going to be on TV this week, certainly on cable, HBO. I bet right now, sometime, somewhere, there's probably, uh, I don't know, some violent movies that are on right now. I could turn it on HBO or Showtime or Cinemax. Well, actually, I think probably if I turn it on Cinemax right about now, it's getting to be the time of day where they start airing the softcore porn. Softcore porn is always okay. So the video game industry is coming under fire. Senator John Rockefeller called for a national study on the impact of violent video games on children and a review of the rating system. Oh, we're going to go back to the video game rating system, which nobody understands, follows, or cares about. Just like that TV rating system with the annoying box that appears in the top left corner on every show now. What do they have? The ratings are, I think... G, Y7, I'm just going off the top of my head. Um, I don't think, is it PG or is it something like that? Uh, PG, PG14 or something or, or just 14. And then um, what is the other one? I don't even remember what they all are now. I know I could just go look it up and I know people are going to correct me at the end of the podcast and stuff because I didn't bother. I think M is the other one. And then they have little letters also in that same box that tell you like, okay, this, this show has uh, nudity, adult content, language. They have all of these different things. Like as if you don't know this already. Like if you're watching an episode of Law & Order SVU, you probably know that there's going to be adult content Maybe some partial nudity, not like uh, not obviously full nudity because it's a network show, but uh, there's going to be very rough language because it's a show about people that are raped or abused or children murdered or whatever. You probably know that going into an episode of Law and Order Special Victims Unit. I mean, who wouldn't know that? So the rating system, I've never understood having a rating system on TV or video games or any of that stuff. Movies, okay, fine. You want to have a rating system because I, I guess a preview isn't enough for you to know that uh, that Django is a, probably a rated R movie. That a, a movie about a slave that gets free and kills a bunch of people and gets back at the slave owners and all of that kind of thing. As if you don't know that that's going to be a violent movie. You need a rating system. Okay, I guess I understand it to a point. And it doesn't really hurt anybody because, frankly, nobody pays attention or cares about the rating system. I was at a Best Buy a few weeks ago, and I saw a kid buying video games. There was a kid in front of me. He was probably, I don't know, 14 or 15 years old. 
And because normally I wouldn't be able to see this, but I was standing right there when he put his games up on the counter. One of them was the the new Call of Duty. And I know that's like a rated M or a whatever it is, 17 or I don't even know what the ratings are in video games anymore. I don't remember. I'm not even able to keep track because they've changed the rating system a couple of times. So I know that it was not an appropriate age for him to buy it. But of course, the person that's working behind the counter is probably about the same age as the kid. They're probably about 17. And so, of course, they just sell it to him. They don't say anything. They don't ask for his ID. They don't say, well, I can't sell that to you, son. Nobody cares. That's the thing about a rating system. So this Rockefeller, we need to reevaluate the rating system. And even if you reevaluate it, parents will buy the, the game for their kid and they'll let their kid play it. If you want to talk about societal issues, what you need to start talking about is not who can buy a video game. It's who is allowing their kid to play the video game. That's where the real issue comes in. Who is raising these kids? I wouldn't let my kid play a grotesquely violent video game like that. And it's not because I'm opposed to it. I'm not opposed to violent video games at all. I, I, you know, Call of Duty, I'm no good at it. I suck at it. But I, I mean, it's a great game. It's awesome. I don't think it should be taken away. See, that's the thing. People think, oh, well, if, if you're against violent video games and you want them uh, removed from society. No, I don't want them removed from society at all. I just want people to be a little bit more responsible. A vast majority of people are. But there's a lot of people that aren't. Simple. Although investigators in Newtown, Connecticut have given no motive for Friday's shooting rampage, some, uh, some media have reported that the 20-year-old gunman played popular video games such as Call of Duty, in which players conduct simulated warfare missions in the basement of his home. The gunman, Adam Lanza, killed himself at the scene after gunning down 20 young children, six school employees, and his mother. Rockefeller said that he had long been concerned about the impact of violent video games and videos on children. Quote, Major corporations, including the video game industry, make billions on marketing and selling violent content to children. They have a responsibility to protect our children, Rockefeller said in a statement. Now, I have seen lots of video game ads. I see them all the time when I'm going to watch shows online. I, the few times I do watch TV, when I watch sports uh, on TV, you see a lot of video game ads. Most video game ads I have seen are not marketed toward children. In fact, in the commercial, they'll even say, this game is rated M for mature. Or whatever. They have that disclaimer on it. Not appropriate for all players. They always do that. I don't see, they're not marketing Call of Duty to children. I can tell you that right now. Just like, you know, look, it's not like the cigarette uh, companies that had like a, a cute little bear or something like that smoking a cigarette or they had some cartoon animation, which you could make a, a very loose argument was, was marketed toward children, even though I, I don't even really buy that. But I'm telling you right now, video game makers don't, for the most part, especially violent games, they don't sell violent video games to children. They don't market them toward children anyway. They don't care who buys them because money is money, especially in the video game industry right now because it's struggling like any other. Got a story about that coming up also. 
But uh, to say that they marketed, I mean, obviously, look, John Rockefeller is 100 years old. This is the other problem. Our lawmakers are so out of touch. The Supreme Court, every one of them is is at least 60 years old, 70 years old. These people have no idea what's going on with technology. They're not up on social media or the Internet. They know nothing about any of this stuff. The Entertainment Software Association, which represents the $78 billion video game industry in the United States on Wednesday, offered their heartfelt prayers and condolences to the uh, Newtown families. But they said this, the search for meaningful solutions must consider the broad range of actual factors that may have contributed to this tragedy. And you know what? I'm going to agree with that, at least for the most part. There is no question that in the hands of a mentally unhinged individual, such influences like violent movies and video games, books, rhetoric, all of these things are dangerous to somebody in that kind of a situation. There is no question about it. There are, if you are already predisposed to be someone that's crazy, then things that have a certain stimulation on the brain could be very risky. Violent images, graphic portrayals, angry, hateful words, social media, all of the things that are an inherent part of our society, an ingrained part of our society, these are all things that could, of course, have consequences for somebody like that. But uh, obviously, 99.9999% of the people that play video games, even violent video games, don't turn around and kill a school full of people. That just doesn't happen. So it's kind of like, um, I don't know, it's, it's like blaming certain kinds of foods for cancer. If you have a risk of cancer, yeah, maybe a certain food would elevate that risk. But for the vast majority of us, for the overwhelming, stifling majority of us, we could eat said food or product and never develop any cancer whatsoever. Doesn't mean you don't look at it. It doesn't mean you don't act responsibly. It just means that most of us have figured it out and that this is not a societal problem. This is not something that needs to be eliminated or curtailed from society. This is an issue of responsibility, period. What is this again? The uh, Entertainment Software Association goes on to say, any such study needs to include the years of extensive research that has shown no connection between entertainment and real-life violence. And again, for the most part, I'm going to agree with that. Where there is a connection are people that are already predisposed to be violent individuals and have other outside influences other confounding variables that contribute to their violent behavior. And I talked about this on the show the other day too, and that is we have a lot of kids growing up right now that are on psychotropic medication more than any other country in the world. Yes, there are many countries with mentally ill people, but the United States has the highest number of children and people in general on psychotropic medication and you can't tell me, I don't care what the FDA says. I don't care what the pharmaceutical companies tell you. I don't care how much they try to tell you that it's safe. We know very little about the brain, about brain chemistry, about the development of the brain. We think we do, but we really don't. Clearly, B12 
because we're still studying it all the time and we're learning new things all the time about how people think and how people act and what parts of the brain do what. And you can't tell me that with all of the psychotropic medication that people are on in this country, more than any other country in the world, that that doesn't have some type of bearing on what happens. A lot of these people that have committed these shootings, a lot of them have at one point been on psychotropic medication. Tim McVeigh, Jared Loeffner, uh, the Virginia Tech guy. There are warning signs. There are things that people need to look out for. And that's something that we don't do in this country nearly enough. What else here? Oh, Activision Blizzard's latest title, Call of Duty Black Ops 2. Hit $1 billion in sales last night. Other popular video games like Microsoft's Halo 4, in which players kill evil aliens. This game racked up $220 million in global sales on launch day in November. It was one of the most successful launches of a video game ever. Mike Hickey, an analyst at the National Alliance Capital Markets, said that backlashes against video games were not rare. Well, again, this this has happened every single time we've had one of these shootings. After Columbine, I mentioned this on the show also yesterday, and that is that after Columbine, I think they blamed Unreal Tournament and Mortal Kombat of all games. Look, we are a society that needs answers to questions, and we look for simplistic answers. It's guns. It's violent video games. It's this. It's that. And... It's not one thing. That's the problem. We're such a quick fix, instant microwave society that everything has to have one very easy solution. And then we just go ahead and enact that and boom, everything is taken care of. I've heard all of the rhetoric from everyone around the world. Oh, we got to play more of this in just a second. But people are saying it's, it's just guns are too available in the U.S. If you guys just got rid of guns... If you either banned them all or you severely restricted them, uh, that would solve all of your problems. You know, that might work for other countries. But again, as we've laid out all the facts about guns in the United States and how they are such an overwhelming number from three to four hundred million guns. I mean, good luck putting restrictions on them. Good luck actually enacting restrictions and putting laws into place. You were able to do it in England. You're able to do it in Australia. You're able to do it in Germany. And the reason is because you have fewer people, you had fewer guns, you had fewer gun owners. So it was a lot easier to do that. In the United States, that's just not an easy solution. I'm not even going to sit here and try and argue about assault weapons bans anymore because there's no point because it's going to happen. An assault weapons ban is happening. Whether you like it or not, an assault weapons ban is coming down the pike. It's going to happen within the next few weeks to a couple of months. Probably it won't happen until after um, the new Congress convenes in January. Because right now they're too worried about this fiscal cliff and making deals and compromises and all this other stuff. That's making everybody unhappy. And that's something we haven't talked about. I'm kind of glad that we haven't talked about that. Unfortunately, we had to have a terrible tragedy to get away from that story. That's what sucks. I just wish that they would have worked it out or I just wish that that story would have gone away, not been pushed aside by something far more horrific. Oh, well. 
Um, let's see what else here. Uh, yeah, well, I guess we've talked. Oh, I do want to mention. So we talked about the Hollywood uh, aspect of this and how TV networks are canceling shows or they're they're toning back on their promos and commercials. Content seen as sensitive has been pulled from the airwaves, including an episode of the sci-fi TV series Haven that contained violent scenes in a high school setting and the premiere next week of a TLC show called Best Funeral Ever, which I don't think had anything to do with gun violence, or, well, not uh, school violence anyway. I don't know. Discovery Channel's... um, Let's see, what have they done? Oh, they they canceled the third season of the reality series American Guns about a family of gun makers. Some radio stations have even decided to stop playing Kesha's Die Young because that is considered insensitive. Now, I hate the song and I think Kesha is terrible, but you're going to tell this has nothing to do with school violence. This has nothing to do with anything. It's a terrible song, but really? I hear your heart. It's about a dude or someone that goes to a club, meets up with the chick, and let's make the most of the night because, you know, we're going to make the most of it like, you know, we're going to die tomorrow or like we're going to die young. Has nothing about violence, nothing about shooting, nothing about anything of, of consequence, really just about people hooking up. All right, so we're going to, just like on, on 9-11, people went after radio stations because they were playing songs like Free Falling. They had nothing to do. People were jumping out the, the windows of the World Trade Center. And before it even happened, or throughout the day, some somebody, you know, on, on the station uh, somewhere, somebody would play Free Falling. And they didn't do it intentionally. It was just on the playlist. You, you realize that station playlists are made days in advance program directors do the music logs days in advance. Well, they should have gone in and pulled that. Like, who would even think of that? Who would sit there and go, let's see, what songs do we have on the playlist that might be insensitive to 9-11? But that's, that's where we're at now. Yeah. And then the question also is, when does this become okay to play again? Would you play it on 9-12? Would you, would you wait a week? A month? Would you never play it again? I like this song, too. Are you never going to play the Kesha song again? Again, I, I hate Kesha. I can't stand the music, but are you just going to stop playing it because are you going to stop running these TV shows entirely? Even the Parents Television Council says, well, it's nice that you guys are... Uh, it's nice that you guys are, are, are going to pull some of these shows off the air, and we're, we're very happy about that, but you're just going to bring them back in a week or two anyway, so really, what's the point? Glitzy red carpet premieres for violent upcoming new movies. Jack Reacher, starring uh, Tom Cruise, and Django Unchanged, starring Jamie Foxx, were canceled out of respect for the Newtown victims. Now, they're not going to cancel the movies, just the red carpet premiere. See, this is why Hollywood is so phony anyway. 
Because they're still going to wind up airing the movies. And the movies, people are still going to go see them. Everybody is still going to go see them. They're going to be hugely successful. And that's it. The Parents Television Council praised the response of the entertainment industry, which, by the way, that tells you when you're doing something wrong, you know you are because the Parents Television Council is giving you praise. But said that it shouldn't be confined to the immediate aftermath of such tragedies. Quote, if a television network changes its programming because of content that could be insensitive today, why would the same content be appropriate at a later time? And you know what? I actually agree with Tim Winter of the Parents Television Council on that point. If you're going to pull it today, then you might as well pull it tomorrow, pull it next week, do it. You might as well. Might as well keep it off permanently. That's like I always say a radio personality should never apologize for a bit they do or for something they say on the air because if you apologize, you admit guilt. And if you admit guilt, it means you did something wrong. And that means don't ever do that again. If you pull something off the air today, it means you can't air it again or you shouldn't because then you just look like a hypocrite. Now, understand what I'm saying very carefully. I'm not saying you intentionally air something or intentionally do something to be insensitive. But does this mean that we stop doing stories on the news about shootings in other areas or about killings in other areas? See, the difference is one is fiction and one is reality. I think reality is far more dangerous than fiction. The news is the most violent part of a programming schedule's day. Sure, an episode of Law & Order SVU is, is talking about rape or violence, but it's in a fictional setting. It's a TV show. It's a TV show with a beginning, middle, and end, and they usually catch the bad guy, and usually they go to jail. Sometimes they get away with it, but, you know, that's just reality in that sense. But it's still a fictional program. Whereas the news that's shown on TV at night, that's all stuff that really happened. And that's not fiction. That is something that's actually going on. These are events that actually took place. Which do you think is really more dangerous? Somebody that sees an image on TV, it's a TV show, you, you know, you know that that person is okay. They're not really raped. They're not really shot. Or then what comes on after it is five people killed tonight in a shooting spree downtown. What's that? That's reality, folks. That's the difference between reality and fiction, and people just don't have that. There's some people in our society, the mentally unhinged mostly, but uh, the people that would insist that we have a ban or a, a restriction on these types of TV shows, those people apparently don't know the difference between reality or fiction, where they don't think that the rest of us are smart enough to know. Uh, it's so ridiculous. So politically correct. We're, we're driven by political correctness. And I want to be sensitive to victims in this case. And I am fully in support of a lot of things that are going on. Again, that we'll talk about as we go through the show here. But TV shows and video games and that kind of thing. I'm, I'm not for pulling video games or restricting video games or changing the content of video games. You know, in other parts of the world, most parts of the world, video games don't show blood or, or they they show like green blood or they show um, very limited gore. They Video games are actually, these companies actually have to put in special filters. They have to actually make special versions of the games. Even games that are cartoony by nature, like Team Fortress 2, 
so ridiculous. I've had people, Carmen tells me about this, and, and I, I've, I've had so many people tell me that there's different, and I, at first I didn't even believe them. I'm like, oh, come on, you're making that up. No, they're really serious about this. In other parts, of, like our software companies, they go, okay, well, we have to, uh, we have to adhere to the standard laws in those other countries, and that's fine. I'm, I'm okay with that, but I mean, why, there are countries that you see an arrow going through someone's head, but as long as there's not blood, then it's okay. If there's blood that's violent, that's gory, the arrow going through the head, that's fine. See, that's the core problem here is we'll go after things and ideas. We'll go after video games, movies, TV shows. We'll go after the internet, all this other stuff. But the more complex issues, well, they're just too complex. We can't actually go after how society is constructed, parents raising their kids responsibly, personal responsibility and accountability and core values. We don't go after that. We don't talk about that. We just go after guns and, and inanimate objects and ideas. That's... And not like, you know, video games, tangible things like that. Not the intangible things. Not the, not the root anyway. We'll go after sort of superfluous stuff. Yeah, see how well that's working out for us. There's a lot more to talk about with this. We've gone on for over 40 minutes in the opening segment. This has been uh, not quite a record for the longest opening segment, but it's up there. Uh, we also have to talk about the fiscal cliff. Ah, yes. We'll get back into that and how the Republicans are capitulating, how tax rates are going to be increasing for some of you, and how um, all of this is going to play out as we go forward. What else? Uh, we have a lot of other stories, a lot of other information, news, just crazy things to talk about, maybe even some sports in there. Who knows? And um, yeah, the Michael Graff Show Stupid News File. And anything else I can just squeeze into the show. You know how we do it here. It's the zip code famous Michael Grove Show. We'll be back. For reasons unknown, you're still listening to the zip code famous Michael Grove Show. MichaelGrove.com. Famous Michael Graff show on a Wednesday, December 19th, 2012. Mike at KMGX.com, the email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Graff show, AOL Instant Messenger. Graff show on Google Talk. 
And for everything else, Michael Graff related, including you can listen to the latest podcasts, which of course you know because you're already there listening to it, chances are. Or you can comment, leave your feedback, comments, questions, suggestions for us. You can donate to the program. All of that can be done. And a whole lot more at the one and only michaelgraff.com. I even even post blogs with the uh, various podcasts. Yes, I just turned that into a three-syllable word. Blogs. I don't know. Every once in a while, the broadcast voice, the broadcast voice, ladies and gentlemen, comes out. So, I don't know. I'm in a weird mood today. I've had a lot of coffee, in case you can't tell. Okay. There's so much more still to get into, and I know maybe some of you are already tired of hearing about it, but we have so much more to get into on the Newtown, Connecticut deal. I didn't do this on the last episode. I teased it, and I didn't even mention this, but I do want to give some praise. Believe it or not, I'm going to give praise to, of all people, of all groups, Anonymous. Now, there's sort of an online vigilante group, and I have been somewhat critical of them over the years, certainly, because they use their hacking abilities to do some things that are sometimes unscrupulous, sometimes just flat out against the law in an effort to correct a wrong that they feel has been committed. And again, I don't always disagree with them either, but even um, even so, um, in this particular case, I'm standing right with them. An enemy of my enemy is my friend, so to speak, and they have decided to target the Westboro Baptist Church. You know, in all the fallout from Newtown, Connecticut, another group that I felt we would not hear from and I would hope that wouldn't pile on, is the Westboro Baptist Church. If you've never heard of them, they're also called the God Hates Fags people because of their very vociferous stance against homosexuality and all supposed deviant behavior. Well, they decided that they're going to go to Newtown, Connecticut and protest at funerals of the children and the families um, that have lost someone in the shooting. And you might be asking, what is their justification? Why would they go and protest at a funeral? And if you've never heard of them, this is nothing new. They go to the funerals of soldiers, people killed in Iraq and Afghanistan. They go to the victims of um, the the funerals of the victims of like natural disasters and things like that. And they, they say that this is God punishing you and punishing America and punishing the world for our deviant behavior and for support of homosexuality and anything. You know, they, they use religion as their justification for this. And they're saying this is what happens when you are tolerant of gay people. Because I guess Connecticut, you can legally marry. And I suppose that's their stance here. That's why they're going to Connecticut and they're going to protest at the funeral. So, what did Anonymous do? Well, among other things, they posted all of their social security numbers phone numbers and and addresses of everybody that's involved in the Westboro Baptist Church. They did that first. They also, I guess, got into some of their bank accounts and some of their documents um, because a lot of these people in the Westboro Baptist Church, they're lawyers and stuff by day. So they got into some of their client records and now they can't, a lot of them can't do business. And again, I'm not saying that this is necessarily right. And I certainly don't advocate this kind of behavior. And normally I would be very critical of it, but People that are despicable, like the Westboro Baptist Church, and I have to tell you, short of radical Islamic fundamentalists, I don't think there's anybody more disgusting on earth 
than the Westboro Baptist Church. They are horrendous individuals. You can say the KKK may be bad and sure racism and bigotry are bad, but this is far worse. And I realize that there's only what, 200 of them involved in this group, but this is still just, just despicable, disgusting behavior. And I'm glad to see that they're getting uh, some harassment from anonymous. And that's not the only people that are involved. So they're, they're going up to Connecticut, they're protesting, but as is usually the case whenever they protest, the Hells Angels have decided to show up and as well as retired firefighters, police officers, and military personnel, and they're forming a human wall around these funerals so that the Westboro Baptist Church can't get in and they can't even get near the funeral. This is great. Uh, a lot of hotels won't even put them up because they know who they are now. And so they, they block their reservations and, and any of that stuff. I think it's wonderful. I cannot stand. I, I believe they have every right to protest. They have every right to say what they say, as despicable as it is. That being said, we have a right to form human walls and blockade them. Now, you don't have a right to to be violent toward them. I don't really think you have a right even to go online and post their social security number. But I do think it's funny. I think it's great. I think that they're getting their, uh, their just desserts. I'm fine with that. Good. Karma. It's coming around to bite them in the ass. So the Westboro Baptist Church, thank you, Anonymous. I'm actually going to say it. Thank you. Thank you to them. Thank you to the Hells Angels. And thank you to anybody that would be a blockade in the in the path of these um, religious zealot nut jobs. I mean, we've heard of extremist religious people. These guys take it to a whole new end. What's really kind of funny about the Westboro Baptist Church is I used to think that they were just kind of a goof. Like I thought that they were just kidding around or they were just being deliberately outrageous to try and garner some interest. Like they were just sort of... I don't know. I don't think it was funny, but I think they were trying just to be intentionally outrageous. Maybe they were even a parody. I don't know. I heard about them about 10 years ago and I thought this can't even be real, but it is real. These are, these are people that um, really have a, a very bizarre sort of philosophy on life. And while they haven't been violent as of yet, they haven't done anything physically to harm somebody. They certainly are bullies. They are certainly there to be in people's face about uh, how they feel and they capitalize on tragic events. So right below a violent person of the same ilk, they are, they are right next to that in that classification. Yes, they have a constitutional right to free speech, but boy, oh boy, do they push it. Do they push it and do they just make your stomach turn? All right, so we go from one aspect of this tragedy to another, although equally infuriating. Let's talk about Piers Morgan and what happened on his show the other night. Now, for those of you that are unaware, Piers Morgan used to be a judge on America's Got Talent. He's this British guy who took over for Larry King after he retired from CNN. So now Piers is there. He has on all these guests. I've seen his show many times before. He's very opinionated. But, you know, you'd think that British people, as opinionated as they are, they would be uh, polite, um, intelligent, reasonable, because that's the stereotype that we have of British people here in the United States. Well, uh, the other night, Tuesday night, uh, Piers has on Larry Pratt, who is the executive director of Gun Owners of America. And of course, they have a debate about assault weapons and gun control and gun ownership in the United States. 
and it gets um well it gets uh, it gets a little heated and you can always tell when someone is losing a debate because they resort to name calling and uh, ad hominem arguments now, which one of these two do you think would do that? Would it be Larry Pratt, the executive director of Gun Owners of America, or Piers Morgan? Well, let's find I out. I think we need to ban gun control laws that keep people from being able to protect themselves. The, the problem is not going to go away if we ban this or that gun. We've tried that. That doesn't work. doesn't even work in England. You've had mass murders there. All over Europe, there have been mass murders. You're the solution is for people utter, to be able to defend themselves at the point point of the crime and not wait for 20 minutes for the police to come after everybody's dead. Mr. Pratt was an absolute lie. The gun murder rates in countries like Britain or Germany or Australia, who've all suffered massacres many years ago of similar nature, have they, they are 35 people killed your, a year. Your country your murder is rate has uh, Your murder rate is lower than ours. That is true. Lower? Your it's violent 35 crime, against 12,000. Your violent in crime Australia, rate, they had a your violent crime rate is higher than weapons. ours. As is the Just one of these classic examples of if you're going to have a guest on your show and then you're not even going to let him talk. And that's what Piers Morgan does. No, no, you're wrong. I'm sorry, but your violent crime rate, it's... Well, it's 35 against 12,000. I mean, he doesn't even let the guy get a point out. Larry Pratt's point, and it's not a very good one, by the way, but his point is violent crime rate is still high, but they don't use guns anymore in countries like Australia, England, Germany, etc. And again, I'm not necessarily even saying I agree with Larry Pratt here entirely, but... Uh, I mean, what a joke this Island is. crime rate in Australia. America is not the, the Wild West that you are depicting. We only have the problem in our cities and, and, and unhappily in our schools where people like you have been able to get laws put on the books that keep people from being able to defend themselves. I honestly don't understand why you would rather have people be victims of a crime than be able to defend themselves. It's incomprehensible. You're an unbelievably stupid man, aren't you? Wow. I, it seems to me that you're morally obtuse. You seem to prefer being a victim to being able to prevail over the criminal element. So this guy is coming at him with facts and with... Even if you don't agree with Larry Pratt here, all right? He's saying, look, um, I, I just think people should have the right to defend themselves. And, and Piers Morgan is like, you're an unbelievably stupid man, aren't you? Shouting over him, just... Ugh. Here's more. Wow. This is some debate, huh? And I, I don't know why you want to be the criminal's friend. What a ridiculous argument. You have absolutely no coherent argument whatsoever. You don't do it. You don't actually you have give a, no you don't give a damn, do you, about the gun murder rate in America? You don't actually care. All you it care seems about to me that is the facts right don't bother you, do they, Mr. Morgan? To, you would like facts, to see but facts don't seem this. to they bounce right off of no, your no, let's head. Just deal with you're, some facts. you're speaking oblivious. Can you answer my saved question? Your lives. I'm answering your question. I wish you could understand it because you're would talking you like against self-defense. Would you like to see? Would you like to see? To see, people being would you able like to, to see teachers armed? And you with, don't want to hear it. That's why you keep interrupting. No, no, I don't mind hearing it. I think it's complete nonsense. But, but you don't want to hear it because you keep interrupting the guy. See, there's nothing worse than obviously Piers Morgan is one of these guys who believes we should ban all guns. He has said so before. He is pushing that agenda again, and that's fine. Okay, that's your opinion. 
But if you have a guest on your show who is completely contradictory to your opinion, you don't just sit there and shout him down until the segment is over. You actually let the guy get his opinion out there. Of course, we don't do that on TV anymore, whether it's Piers Morgan or any of these shows, really. Piers Morgan is probably the worst. I'm not hearing it. You would well, like to Brits, see... Brits uh, tend to do that, don't they? Oh, stop being so facetious. I just want you to answer this one question. Post what happened at Sandy Hook, your answer to this problem of repeated use of this weapon with these high-capacity magazines is to continue letting Americans buy them with impunity and to not concern yourself with these mass shootings. Is that right? The Second Amendment means what it says, and meanwhile, you want to continue laws against self-defense, laws that prohibit self-defense, laws that prohibit teachers and other faculty, other members of the administration in schools from being able to defend themselves if they have a concealed carry permit. The laws prohibit them right now. We have been lobbying against those laws since they were put on. We will continue to do so, pointing out that that is where the problem is. And for uh, you to support them means that you're really blind to the role that that plays in enabling murderers to operate with impunity. Yeah, I, I know. I know why sales of these weapons have been soaring in the last few days. It's down to idiots like you, Mr. Pratt. Thank you for joining me. When we thank come you back, for your high-level argument, Mr. Yeah, you know, Morgan. You know what? Really you wouldn't good. understand the meaning of the phrase "high-level wow. argument." You are a dangerous man espousing dangerous nonsense, and disarmament you shame, is dangerous. You shame Ask Neville your Chamberlain, country. your role model. Yeah, sure. I, I know all about role models, and you're not one of them. Wow, that's uh, so. There you go. That's Piers Morgan from the other night uh, with uh, Larry Pratt, the executive director of Gun Owners of America. Now, again, not even saying I totally agree with what Larry Pratt was saying there, but if you have someone on your show and you're just going to sit there and excoriate the guy, you might as well have just call them a peepee head while you were at it. Ad hominem arguments aplenty from Piers Morgan. I'm glad that he replaced Larry King. I'm glad that we're getting very, um, very elevated discussions over there on CNN these days. Can't imagine why they're doing so poorly. Why they finished behind MSNBC and Fox. Surprise, surprise. But see, if we're not careful, these are the kind of people that are going to be framing the debate from this point forward. Ad hominem attacks. You're going to get called a gun nut if you believe in, in possessing any guns. Um, you're going to be facing people like Piers Morgan. This is the kind of nuttiness that's out there. And even on the other side, look, it's on both sides. This kind of terrible rhetoric exists on both sides. Let me just give you another example of the mentally ill that we have in this country. See, this is the kind of thing that we have to try and fight against. This is somebody that probably should have been dealt with a long time ago. A Pennsylvania man has been charged with assault and disorderly conduct for his alleged rampage last month at a McDonald's. A meltdown reportedly triggered when his drive through order contained a hamburger with an unwanted piece of cheese. This happens at McDonald's a lot, by the way. If you're going to rage over McDonald's getting your order wrong, you're going to be a very angry person for the rest of your life. Sean Verone, 35, was named in a district court criminal complaint filed yesterday in York County, Pennsylvania. According to cops, Verone became irate on November 30th after he found his sandwich had cheese on it, which was not what he ordered. After he was provided a second hamburger, which also had cheese, Verone parked his vehicle and entered the McDonald's. 
Inside the restaurant, Verone allegedly began yelling at workers. One of them he called a bitch and demanded a refund after uh, now after getting his money back. Verone knocked over a trash can, picked up a children's high chair, hoisted it above his head and threw it toward a nearby dining table in the crowded restaurant. As Verone departed the eatery, McDonald's manager Kathy Vasquez followed him out to the parking lot in an attempt to copy down his license plate number. When Verone realized he was being trailed, he allegedly grabbed Vasquez, placed her in a headlock, and grabbed a cordless phone from her hand and smashed it on the ground. When a second McDonald's employee confronted him, Verone reportedly warned that he would fight the employee if he tried to stop him from leaving the parking lot. Vasquez suffered a sprained knee and a fractured tibia during the scuffle with Verone. According to a medical diagnosis provided by the Springettsbury Township Police Department, uh, no, no one else was injured in the incident. In addition to the two misdemeanor charges, Verone was also cited for criminal mischief for damaging the $50 cordless phone belonging to McDonald's. A preliminary hearing date has been set or has yet to be set, but um, that's that's another nut job. I mean, that's a psycho right there. That is somebody that should be not just locked away in jail, but they should actually be placed in a mental institution. Anybody that has those kind of rage issues, they should not be out in the public. This is what I'm talking about. People like this, what's going to happen is this guy is going to get charged with his misdemeanor conduct. He might do 30 days in jail. He's going to be ordered to pay a fine, which, of course, he probably doesn't have the money to afford. I don't know. But I think where he really needs to be placed is in a mental institution. Anybody that behaves like that, anybody that exhibits that kind of behavior, that's more than just having a bad day. All right, having a bad day might have been going in there and screaming at them. All right, but then once it becomes you get violent with somebody and you injure somebody like that, that is clearly somebody that's not mentally balanced. If that guy turns around and he goes back to that McDonald's a couple months from now and he shoots the place up, you know what we're going to say? We need to ban guns. We need to ban guns. No, because there were warning signs that this person was unhinged, that this person could fly off the handle at any second. But no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to take the proactive steps to make sure that somebody like this doesn't become a further danger to society. Of course not. Why would we do that? Instead, what we're going to do is we're going to give this guy his 30 days in jail because it's a misdemeanor. He might not even do jail time because of our overcrowded prisons. What might happen or overcrowded jails probably get probation. He'll do a couple of to- a couple of days or he probably did a few days because this happened uh, late in November. Probably do a few days in a, in a county lockup or something. He'll have his trial date. I mean, I don't know if he posted bail or not. It doesn't say. He'll have his trial date. Probably won't wind up going to jail. He'll be back out in society. And he'll probably do this again or it'll be worse. He'll either stab people. He'll shoot people. Something like that will happen. And they'll go, oh, I, we didn't see this coming. See, this is the kind of issue that we have. A lot of unstable people. All right. Well, I I hope something is done, but I hope something is done on a more grand scale. And that's just my point here. This is the kind of person that needs that treatment. All right. Now uh, we should probably take a break here. Man, we still have so much to talk about. We've done more than an hour worth of show already. Still have a lot to get into, including the fiscal cliff stuff, the Republicans, the debate that goes on and on there. Oh, and the Michael Grav Show stupid news file boiling over and 
So much more still to get into. I try to give you at least an hour worth of content every time we do a podcast, but there's going to be a lot more than that on this show. That's for sure. All right, we'll take a break. We'll be back. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. Michael Groff Show. The Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. Where insanity is the new normal. Segment number three, it's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show on a Wednesday, December 19th, 2012. Mike at KMGX.com, our email address. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. Groff Show on Google Talk. And for everything else related to this program, the blogs, the interaction with this program via comments, your suggestions, and donations, all can be done at the one and only MichaelGroff.com. Yes, I said donations, too, at MichaelGroff.com. I think I'm about to throw myself over the fiscal cliff, okay? Oh, we have to talk about that, don't we? There's going to be some kind of deal made eventually. The Obama administration and John Boehner, the Speaker of the House, are certainly coming to some type of conclusion. Some compromise is going to be made because, uh, obviously... The Bush-era tax cuts are coming to an end. Certain entitlement programs are changing. The very nature of uh, the government is, uh, well, obviously with the uh, implementation of Obamacare, like phase two, I guess, uh, coming here in 2013, everything is about to change. Thus, the fiscal cliff term. Now, while Republicans nor Barack Obama want to see tax increases across the board, they are certainly hammering out negotiating some type of deal to increase taxes on either those making at least $250,000 or those making a million, or will it be the current tax rate? But then once you make more than a million, then the marginal tax rate takes effect. There's all sorts of different ways that this can be presented and this can be handled. Uh, One thing's for sure, it does not appear that this is going to be done before January 1st. Now, of course, there could be some type of 11th hour negotiation. There could be something that comes down the pike like then, but boy, I don't know. This is, um, it's going to be close regardless. Now, if the fiscal cliff does occur, the, the, this it's a very manufactured term. I, I really don't think it means a whole lot to the average person, except to say this. If this deal isn't hammered out, what's going to happen is by the time you get, uh, well, 2013, of course, and then when you go to file your taxes at the end of the year and into 2014, Here's what you're going to notice, all right? First of all, there's going to be um, a higher Social Security tax. 
the expiration of the Bush tax cut, which was a provision that lowered the workers' share of Social Security tax, that, that ends. So that means an average tax increase of about $1,000 a year for the typical household that makes around $50,000, all right? Then the payroll tax rate will revert to 6.2% from the current 4.2%, all right? So the payroll tax goes up. That means that um, about $125 billion next year, uh, would would be going toward the government in terms of revenue. This is according to J.P. Morgan Chase. Many forecasters say that an increase in the payroll tax rate would dump consumer spending weighing on the recovery um, because, of course, if the payroll tax increases, you know that employers, they're not just going to eat that. They're going to pass that along to the consumer. Just like the Obamacare tax, that's going to get passed along to the consumer as well. People have to understand nothing is free. All right. You always are going to pay for something down the road. You can say, well, you know, those, those damn millionaires and those businesses, they can afford to pay more. Even the small businesses, you know, what's, what's another couple of percent in terms of payroll tax? Well, nothing, I guess they'll just increase the amount that you spend or the amount that you have to pay to buy a product. And then you'll say, damn, these prices are going up again. Yeah, it's because you're taxing those damn $250,000 uh, a year people or those damn millionaires, those awful evil people. That's the problem. Everything has consequences. Just because you tax millionaires doesn't mean that all of a sudden everything clears up and you go, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going we're gonna to fix everything by taxing those millionaires because we, the regular people, won't see it. Incidentally, again, when these Bush tax cuts expire, it increases taxes across the board. So even people making 50,000, 75,000, 100,000 a year all the way on up from the middle class all the way up everybody will be paying more in taxes. So be careful what you wish for. All right, from that we go to the nanny state. I think I've pretty much covered that. I don't really want to get into it any further. I'm so tired of hearing the term fiscal cliff. I'm so tired of hearing about this problem between Obama and the Republicans and all of this it's obvious that it's not going to get resolved to anyone's satisfaction, but a resolution is on the horizon. John Boehner, uh, even though Republicans don't like it, he is capitulating. He's giving in. You know what's funny, by the way, is that not only is John Boehner giving in, but no spending cuts are on the table right now. Only tax increases. Isn't that interesting? So we're going to keep spending like we've been spending, and yet we're also going to be increasing taxes at the same time. Because that should work out really well. Historically, that's, that's always turned out well for the United States. Congratulations on voting for Barack Obama, everybody. You're going to get exactly what you're going to get, what you deserve. Oh, boy. And the same old crap in the House and Senate, too. Nice going, guys. Tried to warn you. I don't know. People just don't seem to listen. You'll see it, though. This economy, this economic recovery is going to be further slowed by all of this. Meanwhile, off to the nanny state we go. Talking about Britain, of course, where people who post offensive messages on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and all of that, they're going to be facing charges, but only, only if their messages are considered harassing or threatening, whatever that means. This is according to new legal guidelines in Britain that follow a spate of controversial prosecutions. Free speech advocates here say that they have been alarmed in recent months by a number of incidents in which users of social media have been arrested and jailed for posting messages that others deemed repugnant. 
A 2003 law authorizes such harsh punishments for, quote, indecent, obscene, or menacing communications sent through public electronic networks. But the law predates the explosion of new media such as Twitter and Facebook, and some police officials say that having to investigate the increasing number of complaints about offensive online messages is distracting from more serious work. You know, like actual crime that's taking place rather than being called a bad name online, maybe. Really, that's what this law is all about in Britain. They have a, they have a new law that they've put into effect or they're enforcing further an old law. They're sort of redefining an old law that says if you use social media or if you use the internet to, quote, harass or threaten somebody, whatever that even means, we obviously know the very simple definition of threatening. Like if I write a message that says, I'm going to kill you or I'm going to spray you with bullets or I'm going to stab you or whatever, like a, an actual very explicit threat. But what about sort of an implied threat? Gee, I wouldn't really walk outside if I were you. Well, I don't know. Things can happen. Or harassment, whatever that means. Now, that's even a more loose definition. If I write something to you and I say, you're just a big piece of crap, and I write, you know, piece of crap, or if I write the C word over and over and over all over your Twitter, is that really harassment? I mean, what is that? Are we going to have people calling the police every time they're called a bad name online, every time somebody uses a dirty word because their law does say obscene? I don't know. Uh, the United States Supreme Court has their own definition of what obscene is, but in Great Britain, I don't know what the definition over there is. I don't know what their courts have deemed to be obscene. What if I call somebody something obscene? Would I be an international criminal? What if I said something obscene and it showed up on Twitter over there in England? You know, I'm not, I'm sort of being a little bit facetious, but at the same time, there's, there's a lot to be said for this because even the police there say, well, uh, this has gotten a little bit too out of hand. Too many people are reporting this. Everybody now, as soon as you call anybody a name on the internet anymore, as soon as anybody starts using inflammatory language, and I'm saying you know, we should be above that, of course, but it's the internet. Welcome to the internet. People call each other bad names all the time. People use ad hominem arguments all the time. Piers Morgan would fit in very well on the internet. So I really think that we just have to have a little bit of um, common sense and understand also that unlike your private phone line and unlike your private life, when you post on the internet, you're on a public forum. It is no different than standing out in a public street. You're posting your ideas, your thoughts. A lot of people post their pictures. You're posting all sorts of stuff. And people might say something you don't like. And the idea that you somehow, I have the right to not be offended. Well, that's wrong. Believe me, over the years, you should read some of the stuff that people have said about me online or some of the stuff that people have written to me in emails. Just horrific, terrible, awful things that some people, if they saw that, some people, if they got some of the messages I got, some people would be reduced to tears probably. Now me, I think most of it, it's funny. I think it's funny that I generate any kind of anger within anybody to the point where they would have to email me either a death threat or wishing that I would get cancer or wishing horrible things on my mother or my family or my friends or whatever. I actually kind of think it's hilarious and a little bit sad, but I have a different attitude on it than other people. 
I have a website that's open to people. They could, listen, you could go on my website right now and write all sorts of bad things about me. Now, if you start spamming it, if you, if you just wrote the C word all over it, yeah, I'd probably delete the comment. But most of the time, the comments that people write, I don't care how bad they are. I would never delete it. Again, unless it's just something horrific or it's something that, um, I don't know. Chances are I'm not going to delete a comment that you leave up there. Unless there's a, a very specific reason. But that's me. I don't consider a lot of things harassment. I, I'm a different person. I, I realize that. But if you use Twitter, if you use Facebook, now Facebook, I, I mean, you can set that to private. So only people that you want to see your messages or your wall or whatever can see it. So if you have that public, if you use Twitter, if you use anything else and people say stuff that you don't like, well, that's your fault for creating a, a Twitter account. I'm sorry, but that's how it is. I can't believe someone would call the police. Hello, sir. I'm terribly sorry to bother you, Constable, but um, I believe somebody wrote something nasty about me on Twitter. But hey, if you're a criminal right now over there in England, this would be a great time to go and break into a store because the police are too busy investigating whether or not somebody else was called a poopy head on Twitter or something like that. Yes, wonderful, wonderful laws over there in the nanny state. Then we have this, and this is going to be filed under reason number 379 while I will never go skydiving. Some dude over in the Netherlands decides to go skydiving. His parachute obviously doesn't open. His reserve chute doesn't open. Splat, he dies. And nobody notices. Nobody cares. This would be what would happen to me. Mark van den Bugard, he was not reported missing. And his body was discovered by accident. His parachute failed to open on the dive on December 8th. Hey, that's my birthday. Nice. Uh, no technical problems were found with the parachute. And the investigation was over. Uh, a jump was organized with the largest skydiving club in the Netherlands. But the club said that it had not launched a search as skydivers did not usually report back after their jump. They were shocked. Police information officer Anton de Rund uh, said uh, that um, they had uh, visited Mr. Bugard's family to inform them, but that uh, they were not, he wasn't close to any of them, so they didn't even know. They're like, oh, yeah, we hadn't seen him in a while. Who cares? Simon Worley, manager of the National Paracentrum Skydiving Club in the village of Taj near. Deventer uh, described him, uh, described uh, the uh, incident as shocking. He told the BBC that Mr. Bugard was, quote, a friendly and happy man, but a loner, someone who did not really talk to anyone and was always on his own. He was self-employed, so no one from work would have obviously called to report him absent. He was a regular and relatively experienced skydiver, according to the club. So you went, he went skydiving frequently. See, I would never even go skydiving once because I know that my luck is so bad that I would be the guy whose parachute doesn't open. But even if, even if I managed to go skydiving and I was successful at it, I would never, ever do it again because I know that I just cheated death. No way am I going to cheat death a second time. There are things I'm willing to take a chance on in life. All right, but when it comes to skydiving, that's just not for me. I have a, a tremendous fear of heights anyway. It's one of the few things that I am totally, truly, completely afraid of because I have zero depth perception. 
I am just terrified. I would, I would jump out of that plane and I would be so scared. I wouldn't even know what to do. I would, I would die because I wouldn't even open my parry. I would be paralyzed with fear. The Royal Aeronautics Association combined with police to launch an investigation into what happened and why the equipment malfunctioned. They found that there was no reason for the malfunction. See, that would be me too. Except in my case, it would be, they would be looking at it going, well, there was nothing wrong with the equipment. Was he trying to commit suicide? And it's like, no, he wasn't trying to commit suicide. He was just paralyzed with fear as evidenced by the fact that he voided his bowels on the way down. That would be the very clear sign that something was up. I'm telling you, I could never, ever go skydiving. It would take some incredible power of persuasion to get me to skydive and probably a lot of marijuana or alcohol or something. Some type of substance would have to be used and, and those wouldn't work. I don't know, maybe a lot of weed. Maybe, um, maybe Valium. Something to calm my nerves. There is no way. I don't think there's any way that I would ever go skydiving. You would have to be the most persuasive person on the planet. If you, if you did that to me, then you have quite a career as a motivational speaker ahead of you. Uh, I, I see skydiving as one of those things because it would be. I would be the jackass or I wouldn't get killed by it. I would just be turned into a vegetable. I don't know. I always assume the worst in, in situations like that. Just because I know my luck is just not that good when it comes to stuff like that. All right. That said, I'm sure there will come a point where I, somebody will talk me into it. I just, it just doesn't sound appealing. Mike at KMGX.com is the email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. Groff Show on Google Talk. MichaelGroff.com for everything else Michael Groff related. Yes, while you're there, you can check out the latest podcast. Sign up to get notifications every time a brand new podcast is posted by me. You will get an email notification of course, you do have to whitelist our site so that it doesn't go to the spam folder, okay? Um, you can leave your comments, questions, suggestions, feedback. You can even donate to this program. Let me make sure I make that clear. You can donate, donate to this program at the one and only michaelgroff.com. Thank you so much for listening. Do appreciate it always. And we'll be back with another show tomorrow. I've got a lot more stuff still to get into. We haven't taken a look at the pop chart in a while. I sort of gave that bit of rest. Maybe we'll look at that or maybe another country's pop chart or something. After all, we already did the worst song of the week, so why not? All right, see you next time. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Graff Show. Good night, everybody.